This week's family Bible story and Sunday school lesson is a church year story, The Temptation of Our Lord, which is the historic gospel reading for the first Sunday in Lent. Lent is that time in which there is the 40-day fast patterned after the 40 days of Jesus in the wilderness. There are six weeks in Lent, six days in each week, for the Sundays are in Lent, but not of Lent. They are always a celebration of the resurrection. So six times six is 36. And then the four days, Ash Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, of the very beginning of Lent gives you the additional four days for 40 days. So again, uh, Lent is a 40-day period minus the Sundays from Ash Wednesday until Holy Saturday. Lent means spring. It's a time of renewal. In the ancient church, it was a time of intense catechesis in preparation for baptism of adults and for Christians who have fallen away from the faith and were being reincorporated into the church. And then it also began to take on um, a preparation for and meditation upon the passion of our Lord. So when we in our congregation observe Lent, uh, we have both a catechetical um, emphasis, which we do in our midweek services, and a emphasis upon meditations on the passion. This year, the passion according to St. Matthew. But the gospel reading for the first Sunday in Lent, the traditional temptation of our Lord, it takes place immediately following his baptism. So it is the very beginning of his ministry, which lasted three years and culminated in his death and resurrection. In his baptism, if you recall, he was designated the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so, the Holy Spirit leads him out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And so we see in Jesus during his 40-day fast in the wilderness, when he is assaulted by the devil, in every way Jesus does for us what Adam failed to do, namely to trust in God, to call upon God, and to listen to God's word. So with that, we hear the reading from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, 
He shall give his angels charge concerning you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. This is the word of the Lord. Now the first thing I want to do is repeat my opening statement about Jesus' temptation. When he is tempted by the devil, he remains steadfast in the faith, trusting in his heavenly Father. At the heart of temptation is any word or will or desire from the devil, the world, or our sinful nature that basically says you cannot trust God. He's not to be trusted. But throughout these temptations, Jesus never fails to trust implicitly in his Father, depending upon his Father's word. When we think of the first three commandments, you shall have no other gods, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, and remember the Sabbath day, I'd like to emphasize the positive aspects of those three commandments, where God is saying to us, trust me in the first commandment, Call upon me, pray to me in the second commandment, and hear me, listen to me in the third commandment. And this surely is what Jesus does. He trusts in his Father, he calls upon his Father, he hears his Father, and he doesn't waver in that faith. And in this way, Jesus does for us what Adam failed to do. We must understand that the 40 days of fasting in the wilderness, when the tempter comes to him, it is not as if the tempter simply, on one occasion, hit him with these three temptations and that was it. These three temptations typify how the tempter came to him throughout these 40 days and throughout his three years of ministry, including in the Garden of Gethsemane and when he dies upon the cross. In every way, Jesus is the man without sin because in every way, he absolutely trusts in his Father without wavering, even when he is carrying the world's sin, even when he is suffering um, the humiliation uh, in his passion, or simply what it is to be a dependent man who gets hungry, who gets thirsty, who is fatigued. In every way, he lives by faith in his Father, something, again, that Adam and Eve in their rebellion failed to do. So, very quickly now, if you just scan over the three temptations, the first temptations, if you're the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. Obviously, he was hungry. Take matters into your own hands, turn stones into bread. If you're the Son of God, do it. Be your own God and Savior. No, the Father had not given him this to do. 
Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The second temptation, since the, Jesus used the word of God to rebuke Satan in the first temptation, Satan uses the word of God and he quotes from Psalm 91. Hey, throw yourself down from the pinnacle of the temple. He shall give his angels charge concerning you. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. But he misuses God's word. Um, and he uses God's word in a way that he is asking Jesus, put God to the test. See if he really will help you. It's a challenge that stems not from confident faith, but it would have been a challenge that would have uh, stemmed from mistrust, from doubt, from a belief that God did not have uh, his best interests at heart. And so Jesus replies to him, you shall not tempt the Lord your God or put him to the test. And then finally, the third temptation, this is a temptation about the atonement. In other words, it's a temptation that zeroed in on the very reason God the Father sent his Son into the world to become man, to redeem us through his suffering and death. Redeem means to be purchased, to be bought back. So Adam and Eve had sold the creation over to the evil one. And we speak of Christ redeeming us from sin, death, and the power of the devil. So in essence, what uh, the tempter is saying to Jesus is, there's an easier way. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to die to redeem the creation. All this I'll give to you if you will worship me. And of course, that is no victory at all. And Jesus replies, get away from me, Satan. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Get away from me or get behind me, Satan. It's the same thing that Jesus said to Peter in Matthew 16 when after Peter confessed, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, and then Jesus talks about how he must suffer and die. Peter says, God forbid this must never happen. And in response to that, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Because the cross, the suffering, the death for the sins of the world is the reason Jesus came into the world. And in his suffering and death, he is the righteous sacrifice because he remains absolutely steadfast and resolute in his faith. And so that leads us to an understanding about how Jesus replies to all of these temptations. When he quotes the word of God in each of the three, he, well, it's true, the word of God in each of these three applies to us. You know, we don't live by bread alone. We live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. But when Jesus uses it, he wants us to understand that this is his confession of faith that this word of God applies to him. So it's as if he were saying, I do not live by bread alone as the son of man. I live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And he did throughout his ministry from the beginning to the end. And when he suffered as he did throughout his earthly ministry, the ridicule, the rejection, the buffeting, the persecution, the blasphemous words against him, he did not put the Lord his God to the test. That's from Deuteronomy 
uh, chapter 6. And then finally, when the devil invited him to receive all that he wanted in this small exchange for worshiping me, he says, get behind me. And then he quotes again from the Old Testament, book of Deuteronomy, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. It is as if he were saying, I worship only the Lord my God and I serve only him. And I will not put the Lord my God to the test. And I live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So you see, in this way, Jesus shows us to be our savior. And I like the word champion. You know, he's the one that defeats the devil when he is tempted. And therefore, we have a high priest in Jesus uh, who has been tempted in every way like us, yet without sin, that we might come boldly to the throne of grace and find in Jesus the strength and the help and the comfort in every time of need. So Jesus is the second Adam. He defeats Satan. It's true you can look at Jesus as a model or an example of how one does battle with the evil one uh, and they do so on the basis of God's word. But the most important lesson of the gospel is to see that Jesus is the one who saves us from Satan, saves us from the devil's temptations because he is the man of faith for us to the end. And so the hymn of the day for uh, the temptation of our Lord the first Sunday in Lent is a mighty fortress is our God. And we think of stanza two, with might of ours cannot be done. Soon were our loss effected. But for us fights the valiant one whom God himself elected. Ask ye who is this? Jesus Christ it is, of Sabaoth Lord, and there's none other God. He holds the field, the battlefield, forever. A couple of other things to highlight here. It's a fast in the wilderness. Fasting was not simply going without food, but would have been for Jesus a time of intense prayer and meditation upon God's word. That's why I began by talking about the first three commandments. Trust me, pray to me, hear me. And surely Jesus did that for us. So his faith was strengthened. And when the angels came and ministered to him at the end of the reading, uh, they would have ministered to him with the very word of God that he himself had been claiming in his temptations uh, against the evil one. The 40 days and the 40 nights um, 40 is the time of an earthly pilgrimage, an earthly sojourn. We think of the flood, 40 days and 40 nights. We think of the 40 years of wilderness wandering. So Jesus' 40-day fast is a pattern for the church that is to hear the Lord's word, to call upon him, and to trust in him uh, with renewed zeal. And so this period of time is noted by uh, as a penitential season, a time of contrition and repentance, and we are called to hunger and thirst uh, for everything that we need uh, in Jesus, who is for us what we fail to be. And again, uh, emphasizing what temptation is, any word, will, or desire that says to us, you can't trust God. But Jesus does, and when the devil misuses God's word, uh, Jesus straightens him out and, and preaches and makes use of God's word faithfully. 
So what do we learn from this wonderful gospel reading that begins the Lenten season? Number one, the Son of God became man to do for us what Adam failed to do, trust in God's word. Number two, Jesus defeated Satan by remaining faithful to God's word as it led him to suffer and die for our salvation. And number three, God's word defends us against Satan's temptations and gives us Jesus' victory over the devil. So Jesus is our substitute. He takes our place as the Son of Man and the second Adam, doing for us what we were powerless to do for ourselves. Where Adam turned away from God's word and thereby became a sinner and plunged the world into sin and death, Jesus remained steadfast in faith as he faced the devil's temptations to turn away from his father. He trusted the father's word even though it called him to deny himself, take up his cross, and lay down his life in death for our salvation. God's good and gracious will is good, even when it means suffering and death. Jesus used God's word faithfully against the devil's attacks. As it was in the beginning, so it is now. God's word is the source of our life, our faith, and our communion with God. Jesus' faithfulness to the Father and to the Father's will in his suffering and death robs Satan of his right to separate us from God and to condemn us under the law's judgment. So he is the redeemer from the evil one and the evil one's power. By his faithfulness unto death, Jesus reconciles us to God the Father and restores our life with him. The word of the gospel of Jesus Christ creates and renews faith. It is the source of our salvation and defeats every attack and temptation of the evil one. So where we waver in our faith and in our prayers and in our listening, the word of the gospel gives what the law demands. It creates trust. It gives voice to our prayers, and it opens our ears to hear. Let us pray. O Lord Jesus, since you defeated Satan for us by enduring every temptation and by going to the cross on our behalf, Strengthen our faith in you as our Savior, so that we rely upon your word alone when we are attacked by the evil one. In your holy name we pray. Amen.